podcasting is a great thing, but it can be an incredible time suck. Today, I've invited a guest on the show who's an expert at productivity. He focuses on optimizing, automating, and outsourcing the exact kind of things we podcasters do. So today on Podcastification, I welcome Ari Mizell. My name is Kerry Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. This show is all about podcasting, how to do it, how not to do it, best practices, interesting news items that have to do with the realm of podcasting, and who knows what else. And I'm trying to do it all with a little bit of fun and some information to help you get a show going, keep yours going, or make it better. And if you like what's going on here on the show, I would appreciate it, oh, so appreciate it, if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can find out how to do that at podcastfasttrack.com slash review. That's enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. Okay, well, I've been totally excited about having this conversation. Today, I'm going to be chatting with a guy who is all about all things productivity and uh, time management, that kind of stuff. And he may not even describe himself that way, but Ari Mizell. Ari, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Carrie. Thank you for having me. I know that it was my fault. We scheduled quite a few times, so I've been looking forward to this conversation as well. Yeah, not a big deal at all. I'm totally flexible and that kind of thing. Now, Ari, as best I remember it, your story is one where you were personally kind of forced into having to learn how to optimize and automate and, and outsource things in order just to make life run. You want to tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah. So basically, after college, I was working in real estate development and construction. And after a couple really hard charging years, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was 23 and got really sick and was barely able to do like an hour of work a day in, in some cases. And for those who don't know, Crohn's is a chronic inflammatory condition that affects the digestive tract. It's very painful. It's considered to be incurable. And I was on a lot of medicine. I was getting sicker and sicker. And then through a long process of self-tracking and self-experimentation, I was able to overcome the illness and get off my meds and go on to compete in Ironman France. And while I was training for that, I recognized that the supplements, the nutrition, the fitness aspects of my illness were, were very important. But there was this sort of enigmatic element of stress. And stress is a known inflammatory agent. And I wanted to figure out a way to combat that and really just get more done in that hour a day. So I ended up creating a new system of productivity called less doing, where I was teaching people how to optimize, automate and outsource everything in their lives in order to be more effective. And from there, I, I wrote a couple books, I've been speaking and, and consulting around the world. And then about two years ago, launched a virtual assistant company with a with a partner. And we grew that from nothing to 200 people around the world in 17 time zones, helping 500 something clients do a thousand hours or rather take a thousand hours of work every week off of their plates. And about a month ago, I, I stepped down from that company to refocus on less doing. So here I am. Yeah, well, I sure appreciate you bringing your expertise to this humble little show. We've got a bunch of crazy people who love to podcast, who listen to podcastification. And 
I particularly want to learn from you today, not just for myself, but for the audience, what these three concepts of optimize, automate, and outsource really mean. I mean, when you say those words, what do you mean by them? So let's just start with the first one, optimize. It's an important framework for me, an important order, because a lot of times most people listening have outsourced something, right? And most of you who are listening and have outsourced something have had a bad experience outsourcing. And a lot of times that's typically because they tr- people try to outsource something first without first properly making the whole process more efficient. So that's where the optimization comes in. I'm really big on self-tracking sort of awareness and really taking stock of how you're doing the things you do and, and the process involved. And sometimes that can be as simple as, you know, one or three or four steps, or sometimes it's a 200 step process podcast promotion and production is a very clearly definable process and a lot of people just kind of wing it and what happens there it's not obviously optimizing things will make you more cost effective will make you be able to scale be more efficient but a lot of the point of optimization is reducing errors something as simple as like oh when we have a podcast come out we like we want to tweet the guest and we want to add them on facebook and those things and and if you don't have a well-defined process you might miss one of those steps at some point and obviously no one's going to die and it's not the end of the world, but there's no reason to be missing those opportunities, especially since a lot of people podcast in a very lean way, you know, and they're, they're trying to use it for lead generation or to share a passion. And it's not the kind of thing where they necessarily need to put marketing dollars behind something. So you might as well take advantage of all these opportunities to get the process really well done. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying, Ari, because I, you know, I have a team of contractors that work for me doing audio editing and show notes production and that kind of stuff. And I tell them quite often, in order to use our systems that we've got in place, we have part of it is a checklist that they use to kind of go back over their work and make sure they didn't miss anything. And I tell them all the time, it's not that I don't trust them to be professionals in what they do. It's that I do trust them to be human beings. We just make mistakes. You know, we forget about things. We skip processes just because we forget about doing them. So I totally get this optimized part. What are some of the things you think go into a good process of being aware of what's happening in a system and then optimizing it? First of all, you have to start with like what the actual processes are, right? So like I said, podcasting is an obvious one, but a lot of people don't even recognize that there are things that they're doing on a repetitive basis or things that they don't like doing or things that really could be done better, but they're holding on to them because, you know, they feel like they're the only ones who could possibly do them. Just taking some, again, some identification in terms of what you do in a given day. You know, are you spending time on the phone with clients? Are you doing sales? Are you looking for podcast sponsors? Are you hiring people and firing people? Are you doing payroll, social media? Like, look where you're spending your time. And I know that sounds very simple, but a lot of people just don't do that. I mean, Every single day, I talk to at least a dozen people who tell me that they're overwhelmed. And a lot of that overwhelm is just because we as human beings don't have the working memory to possibly process all of the things that are happening in our life and our day. And that technology, it's funny for me, you know, technology sort of solves a lot of the problems that it creates. People complain, the number one productivity challenge of literally speaking to thousands of people around the world, the number one is email. And to me, that sucks because email is one of the greatest productivity tools there is. If you ask me, if you do it right, it gives you access to all sorts of great things. You know, you have people who they live in their email and that's creating like the majority of the stress that they have in their day. So you can use apps to do this. There's things like Rescue Time or Time Doctor or um, Timing, I think is another app. You really could just take a piece of paper and every 
hour in one day, just write down what you've done in the past hour. And you might be really amazed at how much time you're spending on, on anything. Yeah, those repetitive tasks are especially the ones that I find to be time sucks because you do it over and over and over and don't realize if I just systematized this, it would take me half the time that it takes me every time because I, I redo it every single time, you know, and uh, I find that to be a great help. All right, let's move on to the automate idea. Now, I'm assuming this includes technology to some degree, but it may not. So I'll let you speak to it. What, it, what do you think of and what do you mean when you say automate? So for me, automation is really about setting it and forgetting it, not to quote Ron Popeil too much, but that's the idea is we want to have a trigger and an action and be done with it, never have to think about it again. And you mentioned repetitive processes. And to me, a repetitive process is one that just hasn't been automated yet, because if it's repetitive, there is some way that a computer can do it. I'm sorry, there just is. And even if that's using machine learning or artificial intelligence, there's a great tool now called Monkey Learn, which is like artificial intelligence for dummies. And you can it can do text analysis and categorize things for you. So you could, for example, feed in all of the reviews from your podcast and it could pick out automatically the ones that are positive or negative and say, if I get a negative review, I want to, I want to know about it in a Slack message so I can respond to it or deal with it. And it can identify that kind of thing for you. And it's free to do that. So there's like, why not do that? Why not set these things up? So anything where you're saying, you know, when this happens, I do this. When I post on Facebook, I also post on Twitter. When I have a guest on my show, I email them afterwards and send them a link to the show and ask them to share it. If you can identify that trigger and that action, there is a way to automate it. And, and the best two platforms for doing that in general would be IFTTT and Zapier. And IFTTT is a free platform that is is great, but it's a little bit limited. Zapier is really, really, really powerful, but you do have to pay a little bit for it once you go beyond sort of the basics. But you look at the key thing there is that you certainly can automate very large, complex processes. Like I, I created a whole automated hiring process for bringing people into the company when I was uh, with Leverage. But it's not all or nothing. There is a benefit to automating 10% of your workflow. There is a benefit to automating you know, one out of 10 steps because that's one step that you never have to worry about again. And eventually that will add up to more. So... That That's really what I'm talking about when I'm looking at automation. But you have to start with the optimization part first, because otherwise you really don't know what you should be automating. Yeah, that makes total sense. And so then it makes sense to me that if you've got those two dialed in fairly well, then you're equipped to outsource a little more wisely. So walk us through that. How do you know when it's time to outsource something? So that's the best part, right, is once you've optimized and automated, a lot of times there really isn't anything left to outsource. And I always find this amusing because, you know, I've been outsourcing for a long, long time. I've worked with 25 different virtual assistant companies. I owned an outsourcing company where I was outsourcing thousands of things every week. And yet I'm constantly trying to avoid outsourcing as much as possible because as soon as you give it to a person, as you said to me before the call, right, we can count on humans to be humans. They will make mistakes. But beyond mistakes, they'll get bored. They'll be uninterested. They'll get disinterested. They'll have a bad day. There's all sorts of, and, and they just won't be engaged with the work a lot of times. So if you're giving something to a person that a computer can do, you're setting yourself up for eventual failure. Now, that's not to say that we should go firing all these people that work for us and just automate their jobs away. That's absolutely the opposite of what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if we've optimized and automated and there's still something left, that's probably something actually interesting that a human being really needs to do and can actually sink their teeth into and deliver value and have impact and do all of the things that 
people complain about millennials about because that's what they want. And really, it's just a matter of not giving them the right work to do and job crafting. So if you're boiling it down to that point, you've got a chunk of work that you really can sink your teeth into. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I love the example you gave earlier of your hiring process because I have kind of an automated hiring process, but there's certain places where I intentionally don't want the automation to kick off the next step because I want to step in from a, you know, a personal discernment sort of a standpoint and assess what's happened up to that point because the automation may not need to continue because I don't even want to talk to that candidate from that point on. And so I totally get your place of you know, having the human element is really an important part of it. Yeah. And so once you do get to the point of outsourcing, that's when you can look at outsourcing to some sort of specialist or generalist of some sort. And a generalist would be like a virtual assistant and a specialist would be something like a graphic designer or an audio engineer or, you know, a copywriter or something like that. And there's so many different places to find those kinds of people now that once you've gotten this to this point where, again, you've optimized, automated, then you're really just giving yourself a leg up once you actually give it to a person. Yeah. And especially if it's a person with an area of specialization that you either don't have the inclination to learn or don't have the time to learn. It's just much better to give it to somebody who knows what they're doing in my experience. Exactly. Yeah. So Ari, you've been podcasting for some time now. Do you have any idea how many podcast episodes you've actually published in your career? I have one podcast now. I had another while we were at Leverage. Um, I guess I'm coming up on the 300th episode of the uh, Less Doing podcast in a couple of weeks, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then we had, I think, about 50 or 60 in the other one. But I mean, as far as client work, I, I think at this point, I've probably published well over 10,000 podcast episodes for people. Well, I think that's probably up at the top uh, of anybody's list in terms of sheer volume. <laughs> Can you walk through some of the things that you found at the beginning of your podcasting journey were obvious points where these three steps, this optimization, automating, and then, you know, outsourcing really needed to be done in your podcasting workflow. Oh my God. So first of all, I, the, when I started the podcast, it was five years ago. It's actually funny. The, um, the second episode was the I'm a dad episode. And that was when my, my son Ben was born. So he's, he'll be actually, he'll be six in January. It took about 15 hours of my time to do one episode because I was doing everything. I did the recording. I did the audio editing, which I'm not particularly skilled at. Um, I did the show notes. I did my own transcription, believe it or not. And then I was creating the graphics and doing all social media and everything and all the hosts, all, all that stuff. So about literally like 15 hours per episode, which meant that when I started, I was producing one episode like every six weeks. Oh my goodness, that's painful. Well, and it's kind of hard to build a podcast audience that way, right? Every six weeks. So once I figured out a process that was automated, and at the time when I first did this, I was using a combination of Wufu forms, Dropbox automation platform called Wapwolf, Fiverr, a couple people on Fiverr, actually one for audio, one for graphics, one for, uh, and Rev for transcription and like Hootsuite for the uh, social media. So I had like eight different services glued together by Zapier and IFTTT. But then at that point, I got it down to where it was just me recording the episode. And then I started doing two episodes a week, you know, and that was like amazing to me. So wow. the difference was so worth it. And the investment initially was very little. I think it was costing me maybe 80 bucks an episode to do everything. Well, that really is pretty affordable for all the things that you're having that do. I can imagine what that would cost if you were paying actual people to do all those different things. And so you were using someone to do your graphics work, your audio editing, the various things that, that go into the podcast production. How did you make a decision where to start in all of that? 
Yeah, so I, one of the key things there that I just want to share, this is a little trick in any process that you might want to outsource or automate like that. I purposely set it up so that with the audio editing, so on Fiverr, you know, there were at the time, again, it's like four years ago, five years ago, there were probably 200 people on Fiverr at the time that were doing audio editing. But I wanted to be able to use any of them. So I made the process really clear. And it's like, you know, take this file. Here's a link to it. This is the intro. You know, cut off this and this, add the intro. Here's the outro. Uh, normalize the sound. Like I had the whole thing written out, like a brief on the audio engineering. The only thing that was tricky, which is really funny, is the end of the process basically was like, save the file in this format. Guest first name, guest last name, and then like date, and then something else, and an MP3, and then upload it to this Dropbox folder. And half the time they would not name it properly you know it would always end up being like a generic name or the audio engineer's name or something ridiculous so the step that i added in there which i now do in all sorts of processes is i added a woofoo form and the reason i like adding forms into these kind of processes is that it creates an extruder so basically i'd say when you're done go to this woofoo form in order to upload the file when they went to the form it said first name of guest last name of guest this and this and this and then upload the file and then through an automation, it would rename the file to what it should be and put it into the right folder. So it's a very small, subtle little thing. But when you're using a form like that with required fields, you, it actually may, enables you to use a lot more different people because you'll end up putting them through sort of the, the same filter. Wow. That's an amazing thing that I'm sure a lot of us didn't even know existed is that you could have forms rename files and that sort of thing. So that was Wufoo forms that you were using? I, yeah, but you can use Gravity Forms, Typeform. It doesn't matter. The key is on the back end of that, Zapier would take the file and then name it properly. And then not only that, you could have it put it into whatever Dropbox folder you wanted and then have a trigger off of that. So basically, they were uploading the completed episode. So I could have it put it into the completed episode folder in Dropbox and then have another trigger saying that any new file in the completed folder in Dropbox would send it to this person to have the graphics done. You know, so like it, you can just create this like daisy chain of events. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So if I'm hearing you right, the contractor from Fiverr is dropping it in a certain Dropbox folder. Zapier is then renaming it and moving it to a different folder where then a notification goes to your contractor who's going to do the graphics or the transcription or whatever. Correct. Exactly. And it just keeps going that way. So there's an, an, a form for each step that each person has to put it into. So what you end up at, at the end of the day is that you're giving yourself access to hundreds of different people to do the same work for you with the same quality and same control. Wow. That is pretty amazing. I'll have to dig into that some more because there's all kinds of steps in my, just my team processes that I can see could be optimized in a way like that. Well, that is, that is incredibly helpful. Say you were starting a podcast all over again from square one, knowing what you know now, what are the first things you would set in place to make that process work as efficiently as possible? I mean, I kind of did that when we did this second podcast, which I think we launched maybe a year ago or so. One thing is sound quality, right? So I did, I have learned over time now that, you know, sound quality is probably the most important thing in terms of podcasts, like production video quality is not as important. It seems like people will forgive you for bad video, but they will not forgive you for bad audio every time. Like, and there's not a lot, but every time we've gotten a bad review, it's never been about content. It's always been about like this episode, the quality was terrible. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So that was an important one. So I, I say that, you know, the sound quality. So one of the things that I actually started doing was I now when I'm interviewing people, I'll book a recording studio 
and really do it properly. And if I can get them in person, that's even better. And obviously the sound quality is incredible in that case. But there's a bunch of things like launching a new podcast. I'd say you want to have like eight episodes in the can ready to go so that when somebody joins the podcast, they're effectively, you're getting eight downloads right away for each person. So that's a really good way to sort of get into the new and noteworthy, I think, in iTunes. Not to toot your horn, but I think really good show notes make a really big difference honestly. And I've used you guys, your service for both podcasts for a while. And, and just the, the level of the show notes is just so good. And I think that that's really important because shockingly to me, you would think that all the podcast listeners are people who just don't want to read stuff. But I've had a lot of people tell me that there are times when they just read the show notes because they don't have a chance to listen. Right. So I think that that's a big one. I appreciate that, Ari. But, and I totally agree. The reason we have worked so hard on making our show notes as good as they are is also because as of right now, Google doesn't search audio, but it does search text. So if someone's looking for what you're podcasting about, you've got to have show notes that are optimized to get those people into your funnel, so to speak. So go ahead. I'd love to hear the rest of what you had to share. That's one too. And then another one was that, I know this is sounds silly probably, but I was never really good about the call to action. You know, I was never like on it being like, so if you want to get the show notes for this, or you want to get this special PDF, like go to lessdoing.com slash 296, you know, those are really important because at the end of the day, the content is great and you can accomplish a lot with a podcast and really spread your message. But you want to be able to capture information on those people, whether you're going to sell them something or not, just getting people's email addresses and knowing that there's people out there that are really listening to you and that care, I think is important. So but making an effort upfront to capture people's information and drive them to a website or some, you know, a text message, whatever it might be. Yeah, that's a great tip because we all are doing this podcast for some reason. And we have to keep that reason in mind when it comes to the end of the episode and it's time for that call to action. So I appreciate you reiterating that. Well, Ari, this has been a great conversation, some simple, but I think powerful tips to help us all do our podcasts better. And I want to give you an opportunity here to tell us what it is you're doing now and how people can take advantage of the things that you've learned and the expertise that you have. Thank you very much. So less doing is really all about content and helping people reclaim their time. So I have a business mastermind, I do consulting, I have a coaching certification program, and I do speaking. But the main one that I always try to drive people to is the Less Doing Labs, which is my membership community. It's based on Slack. And it's about 800 members at this point. I share a lot of information in there. I do webinars in there. I interact with people's questions and whatnot. And we have the Less Doing Labs as well as the premium version of the labs, which is actually where I now release the new OAO podcast. So it's just available to those premium members. So people can go to lessdoing.com and they can check it out there and sign up there if they want. I'd love to have them be part of the community. Well, I sure appreciate that, Ari. And I encourage everybody. I've spent enough time working with Ari in this last year just to know that he consistently brings out great content and he's not stingy about it. So if you are looking for some help in getting your systems automated and getting yourself enjoying life rather than sitting at a computer screen, Ari's the man to teach how to do that. So go over to lessdoing.com and check out what he's got going on. Ari, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Hello. If your wheels aren't turning now, my goodness, Ari shared some incredible insights about especially that automation side of the things you can do using things like Zapier and IFTTT. My goodness, I can tell I've got a lot of things in the systems, not only for my podcast, but in my business that I need to go through with a fine tooth comb and discover 
what those kind of services could do for me. There could be some incredible ways, not only to save time, but to save some money as well. So, hey, I hope you found this episode of Podcastification helpful. And if you did, I would so appreciate it if you'd share it with somebody who you know could benefit from the kind of things you're hearing on the show. And if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, my goodness, what are you waiting for? Go to podcastfasttrack.com, find the podcast tab, and you can subscribe right there. Or if you're listening on a smart device, swipe to the show notes right now. There's a link right at the top of the page where you can subscribe. Hey, you know what time it is? It's time to go out and make it a podcastificating day. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services without the time suck. Full production, editing, and show notes, all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at podcastfasttrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. Thank you.